This is a Hoff Studios podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you know what? You're doing fine. You know, you just keep living that that glorious life of yours. I pulled up your Instagram. You are so fucking cute. I can't believe you're my roommate. Well, okay, guys, this is not. We don't actually live together anymore, but. Renee Smith Trevino. Do you go by Smith Trevino at this point anymore? No, I don't think anyone cares. I'm just Renee Trevino, Captain Evil. Oh, okay. Wow. You just had we just had to admit. Yeah. You're Captain Evil is who she is. She's Renee Trevino. I knew her as Renee Smith when we lived together at NYU. I would eat your peanut butter late at night. <laughs> I would just eat it. You had the greatest snacks, and I was always, like, pretending to be on a diet and, like, I, I, like only v- vegetables I would never eat. And you, like, had normal person food. And by the time 8 o'clock hit and you were doing, like, you know, like, responsible, normal person things, I was like, that, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal her food. That's, that's what I'm going to do now. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> that's because I'm the kid who grew up whose parents let them eat Cheetos, like— you know, I didn't, oh I didn't God. know the difference between what was healthy. I know that sounds so silly, but like, I didn't know the difference between really healthy food until I went to college and I was like, oh, you have raspberries for lunch. Okay. Okay. I have to say that maybe that's like a good um, tip for, for parents, like feed your kids Cheetos. Don't make a fuss because by the time you were like an adult, I would visit you in LA when you lived with Steve in LA and you were like making smoothies and doing the beach body. You were like doing all the things. I don't know. I always think of you as like a really healthy eater. No, I am. I secretly eat all the salted caramels in the pantry at night when no one's looking because then the calories don't count. Hold on. You're now me (laughs) with your roommates. (laughs) It's sort of fun. It is a sort of fun, sneaky. I think it's like this moment where you're like, oh, I get to be like, I get to be rebellious. I get to be sensual. I get to be alone. No, I and just don't want my the- kids to see me eating that crap. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> then they're going to be like, I... Closet when they're asleep. Yeah. That's right. Weird. And then you have to like buy more because then they want it. Yeah, I get that. Mostly I just, I just, I think I didn't want to pay for the peanut butter. I was like, I won't eat it. I won't eat it every single night. One day you <laughs> looked at it and you're like, where did all this go? Oops. Okay, so Renee Trevino is my beloved, beloved, beloved friend of 20 years now. We went to acting school together at NYU. We lived together. During that time, you met Mr. Steve Trevino, who was already a working comedian. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You knew each other from childhood? No. We're from the same small town. So it's one of those places where everyone knows each other's family. And even though he and I were not classmates, we knew of each other. Yeah. And he's, how much, how much older is he than you? Uh, like seven years. Okay. Well, at the time we thought like, who's this old guy <laughs> who 
was like cute. Oh my God, he was cute. He was funny. He was successful. He like put our, this like really big, really big Ikea bookshelf together for us as a sort of, you said, who's this old guy? And the first thing I thought of was like, he was just really hairy, which made him seem like manly to us. <laughs> we were used to being around very clean shaven musical theater majors. I mean, they were all, they were all, they were all sweet little twinks. That's what we were used to being around. Yeah. These like gorgeous gay boys. Not to say that Steve is not gorgeous, but he is a, a very, of- he's, thank you very much. He's a whole hunk a man yeah. and um you okay so you went to LA that summer to like you know pursue your your acting I did. career you know what? I wasn't um a singer and so I thought musical theater is not gonna happen for me um I had a teacher say you know you should really consider moving to LA if you don't sing and dance and you want to work LA might be the place for you so I went for a summer and checked it out and Steve was out there pursuing comedy and um, we ended up hooking up, dating, and that was that. It really was that. It was that for him, for sure. I mean, I think you you fell in love, but he was head over heels. He was like, that's my wife. This is it for us. I'm going to go put together this Ikea bookshelf. <laughs> it was like the most, like, sort of macho, but like Prince Charming moment. Me and Jesse, our other roommate, who, by the way, also guested on the podcast— turn to each other and we're like, okay. Yeah, but he serious. also, he was afraid, he says, he, he admits now that he was like afraid to leave our apartment. You know, we would be at Adler, <gasps> like, oh, you got to take the L train to the whatever train. I don't even remember anymore. And he would be like, I'll, I'll be to the R- N. It was to the N or the R to 28th Street. That's where um, Adler was. And we were pretty far east in Stytown. Yeah. And he was afraid. Oh you had God, to switch trains. So you had to take the L to the N and the R. And he was like, uh-huh. no, not happening. I'd rather so, put together furniture. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is a guy who, by the way, now travels the country all the time. I guess it's pretty... It's pretty luxe these days. He's not taking subways one to the other. Oh, no. He's going to have a first-class ticket. Yes, Steve! Work! Okay, so these days, shall I just give you the mic and would you introduce yourself? Who are you today? I mean, you're not the same. You're not Renee Smith anymore. I am not. You're not. I am not. uh, You're like a grown-ass woman. I mean, I cried at the DMV when I changed my last name to Trevino, but now it's like, um, it's a badge of honor. Um, I am, um, my bio would tell you that I am a multi-hyphenate and I have produced and directed my husband's last three comedy specials, um, mostly out of need and pure grit and, you know, us being a team and having to make it happen for ourselves. Um, and now Which I'd love do, to go into. Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. Okay, and now great. we do a podcast together called Steve Trevino and Captain Evil because he did a joke in a special where he dubbed me Captain Evil. He said that um, I'm a fucked up superhero and anytime he's having too much fun, I will show up and ruin the party. Um, and it just kind of grew from that. And people identified with this wife character or even not just the wife character, but like the balance of this relationship that he jokes about on stage and it, it kind of took off. And so now people tune in weekly to hear our day to day life of him on the road, um, us as a couple and just, um, 
the things that we're going through and traveling as a family on tour as well, kind of all that. Okay, so when you first started dating, he did use you as a sort of character in his comedy. And I thought to myself, like, is she going to be cool with being the butt of the joke? And, and like, there you were in the audience laughing along. And I thought, holy shit, how did you find each other? Because you have, like, this, like, huge cackle. You <laughs> love to laugh. I do. Somehow you found this funny and you didn't take it personally. And so much so that you've like almost like taken on the persona. You know that like part of it is, you know, art. Yes. And the other part is legit you. Just just straight up you and him throwing you under the bus. But you don't seem to care. I I I honestly don't. And and I think oh, so my my friends felt like when they saw it, my friends felt like they needed to give me a hug. I think my parents, especially my brother, felt very protective in the beginning before Steve and I were married, when we were just a couple, he was already talking about us. And my uh, jokes that like my family hated about us having sex and the dog throwing up and like, you know, things like that. I remember that joke. My, I remember that My bit. mom hated that joke. And I mean, I thought it was funny. Like life yeah. has ups and downs. And I, I don't know. I just, I see the humor in it. It, it honestly, it makes me laugh too. And you can be a Karen yeah. about it. Where's the joy in, in that? Yeah. Yeah. And you're so good at finding the joy. Hey, I wanted to go back to something so interesting that you mentioned. So the two of you went all the way out from Texas. You took a stop in New York. Steve went straight to LA and you both met up there to pursue your work. You know, you, you directed in college, but you also you know, you were primarily an actress. You did some producing yeah. as well, I, I remember, I, I at moved, NYU. I moved to LA to be in front of the camera. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. 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 And he was doing comedy. And I remember visiting you guys and being like, holy shit, like, you have TV show after TV show, like, you know, pitches and specials. And, like, you were going through the ranks. And I wonder, you mentioned something sort of in passing that, you ended up producing his specials, which did very well. Um, where are they? One of them is on Netflix. The other two are where? Um, you can see them all on Amazon now. Mm, but okay. if you search his name, if you search Steve Trevino, um, Till Death is a great one that I directed and produced. And the newest one is called I Speak Wife. And that's actually on YouTube. You can watch it for free there. Amazing. And they really are amazing. So well done. Of course, beautifully performed and written by Steve. But yeah. something that people don't know is that you doing the production and the direction is so gorgeous. I do really like Till Death in terms of like the design, yeah. which makes me giggle because before we got on here, you're like, sorry, guys. And you're like waddling around with this huge plant to do some like set decoration. <laughs> you have such an aesthetic eye and it was so beautiful in that particular one. I know they're all awesome, but yeah, that's like, just like, you know, as your friend, I'm just like, oh my God, it was so and beautiful. That was, the artwork set, there. that was a set built by family, like in that particular, oh wait, no, till death. That was no, I'm thinking of relatable. That one is okay. the paintings. We had custom paintings um, yes. for the stage. Yeah. It's so beautiful. But you said that it was because of, out of necessity. And I wonder what you mean by that. Because when I came to LA, you guys were working and you guys were getting the meetings and all of that. I wonder why you just took the reins yourself. 
It's exactly what you said. We were getting the meetings, we kept pitching, but they weren't going anywhere. Um, and Steve wasn't getting specials and he had all of this material and he knew it was funny and he was touring the country with it and seeing the way a live audience was responding to it. So it's like, regardless of whether or not the suits in Hollywood thought there was anything there, we were seeing people every day, you know, laughing yep. at it, having a great time. So we we knew better and we knew yeah. that he just had to find his audience. Um, yeah. So the first, this first special that we produced together, we started selling tickets. And he said, look, if I, I know I can sell tickets and I know I can sell tickets in Texas. If we can get a venue to get on board, we can use the ticket money to produce this thing. And... Wow. Um, one thing that we have learned is no one wants to push the train, but once the train is rolling, people are willing to get on board. They're more willing to get on board. So, Can you repeat that so that we can all hear? Because I think that's pretty applicable all around. Yeah, for sure. That no one wants to start pushing the train. When the train is stopped on the tracks, no one wants to, wants to push it. But once the train is moving and people are like, oh, hey, this is, this is going someplace. I'm going to get on. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll help push and I'll jump on board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Steve has just always followed that philosophy. And I was scared. I was like, we're selling tickets. We're telling people we're going to film this, but we don't even have a production company on board. Well, we got the venue to come on board because they wanted to be highlighted in some way on film. Um, and the city thought it would be great for tourism if they could be highlighted on a national level. So that's why they agreed to do it. And then once we started selling tickets and lots of them for this thing, we convinced a production company to come on board too. I will tell you, we had, I think, I know one for sure, at least two production companies back out. Oh, in, why? In the process of selling tickets, just decided... Um, They were L.A. production companies and we were filming in Texas because that's where we had a free venue and he knew he could sell lots of tickets. Um, And it was sort of the it comes down to money, right? Like money and sense. Um, Mm. And if a comedy special is not already pre-sold, it's a gamble. It's a risk that you're taking. So there at the end, we finally got a company, a production company to come on board. They they already dealt in the comedy production space. Um, so it was an easier sell, and mm. we made that one happen. And I, you made that one happen, babe. We made it. Happen. I'm like always. I'm I'm always that friend. I'm like just a reminder. Like, of course, Steve, of course. I mean, you know how much I love Steve and and how proud I am of him. Genuinely, so proud and moved by his talent and grit. But I just know for a fact that this shit this shit wouldn't have gotten done without you. You guys are oh. such. I mean, power couple. It, I was going to say, it's like, it's a real tr- team effort when that was done. Cause we also had to invest some of our own money to make it happen. And we had 400 bucks in our bank account. We, yeah. we legit had wow. 400 bucks left in our bank account when that was over. And we, but we, we knew it would pay off. And you invested in him, you know, you sort of said, where I'm going to invest my time. I'm going to invest this money. I'm going to invest my talent because I, you believed in him. Yeah. I mean, he's, but, but it's twofold. He's, it's, it's so true. He is, he is super talented in my opinion, undeniably talented. Um, Undeniable. And, and inspiring too. You know, he is able to convince people that this is, this is worth doing. This is worth taking the risk and gambling. He's really, he's really great like that. 
Um, but he's also my biggest cheerleader too. Is he really? Tell me more about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll hear him do interviews. And of course, when they ask about Captain Evil, he's the first one to say, you know, my wife is super smart. She was valedictorian of her high school. She uh, graduated from <laughs> and queen. Like, he will go and give my resume. She's directed and produced my specials. Like, if you just think she's a funny face or, you know, the butt of a joke, she is not. He's he's the first no. uh, to do that. And And I am such a perfectionist that I... Um, we're, we're polar opposites in the way we approach work. Steve is like, pushes through, moves so fast. If there's errors, no big deal. And I want to take my time. I want to make sure I've done the research. I want to make sure everything looks just right. And we joke that like the two of us are such a great combination because we meet in the middle with that. You really are such a great combination. He, he pushes me and, to get things done and I make sure it's not loaded with mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And you are this like beautiful, you're just like the beautiful trophy wife with the brain. You're like the homecoming queen and the valedictorian and all of that. And like, he gets to like, you know, be the funny guy. It's like the best, the, the, the two of you are the, you know, you're the, you, he calls himself America's favorite husband. Is that, is that his That's tagline? True. Yeah. It's America's favorite husband tour right now. And it's like so true because in relation to you also, he is just delicious. He's just so cute. The way he loves you, the way he's annoyed with you. Um, something that I wanted to touch on is just that like in Texas, you were able to capitalize on your hometown fan base. Is that right? Yeah. So that um, we call it kind of, I, I don't know if we've originated this, but um, Steve refers to it as the head of the octopus. Um, and you see it with a lot of Texas musical acts where they they are really successful performers, have made a great living just off of touring in Texas. They don't play no the you know, country music. They don't play, they call it Texas Red Dirt Radio. And they don't play Nashville. Or if they tour across the nation, it's to very small crowds. But in Texas, they're huge. People love them. Um, and so we kind of followed that. Um, knowing that he really could build an audience here in Texas in his hometown. Um, people described his comedy in the beginning as having a very Tex-Mex sensibility about it. Right. Um, and so that's where he started. And he knew if he could get the numbers here, eventually it would grow. I love that you mentioned Tex-Mex because in LA that that was that seemed to be a sort of problem that that, that he had this like Tex-Mex quality but in Texas he could sort of infuse and you also the way you did that artwork for his second special yeah. till death it was this gorgeous oh my gosh guys look it up this gorgeous this beautiful set with these paintings inspired by um Mexican they call artwork. it they call it Dia de los Muertos is what it is. It's that skull, right. the painted skull with the flowers on the face. Um and uh we took pictures of us but made them Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, it's beautiful with your son. Yes. Who sometimes guests on the on the stage. Yes, he he <laughs> used to at the time he used to love to go on stage and tell jokes too. Does he not anymore? Now he wants to be a singer. So now he likes to go and sing. And it's actually the coolest thing. He will go on stage um, before Steve's show and sing God Bless America. Um, oh my God. We're a very 
patriotic family. We're very proud to be Mexican-American, but Americans. And uh, it's really, really cool to see like the audience stand up and clap. I mean, people have come to tears to see this kid singing such a patriotic Americana song. Wait, does he have like a really beautiful voice? I think so. I'm his mama, but he has no formal singing. I He just loves it. He loves to go up there and do it. I love that so much. He's only seven, yep. six, seven? He's seven, yeah. He's seven. He's such a cute kid, Garrett. Um, anyway, I was just, I, I'm always really taken with how Steve was never willing, and neither were you, you were never willing to tuck away your heritage your Mexican heritage. You were like, I, you know, you sort of sniffed it out in LA, like, oh, so you you need me to be whiter for you? Is that what you want? I'm sorry. That's not what we're selling. You went ahead and built a whole company, business, production company, podcast, lifestyle brand around being exactly who you are. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, how do you, how do you not be who you are, especially when you're a stand-up comedian, you have to be authentic. Uh, right. I think, and even in even in our podcast, there are times that we have a fight on the podcast and you still see it really happening <laughs> and playing out or we're having a shitty day and it's a shitty day on the podcast. Um, yeah. Because we all- I've it. listened to a couple of those <laughs> and I'm like, I fucking love them. <laughs> I love these people. We really wanted to be genuine and it was twofold. It was- The reason we did the podcast in the first place from the beginning, it started during COVID, was because we wanted to show, we were tired of pitching to these networks and exactly what you said, being told what American, Mexican-American family is supposed to look like or act like. And we just felt like we are here, you know, he and I are here. This is what a real Mexican-American family looks like with their two Mexican-American children. Um, And we speak English and we don't have an accent and... Um, one of us is, is okay. educated. One of us is not college educated, but super successful. Um, yeah. And we just thought we had to tell that story. We got sick of of telling suits what that looked like, and we said, you know what? We're going to show ourselves, and we're going to. It's going to be genuine, and we are going to try and be a positive picture of a Mexican American family in in all our messiness, just as we are. Yeah, you really are. And it's, you know, it's funny because like in, you know, the suits in Los Angeles actually dictate quite a lot about what we understand, you know, minorities to be. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, we we know, I, I, you know, I know this from the perspective of the, of, uh, the Jewish minority, but from the, the yeah. Mexican families, like black families, like we can't keep pandering to these guys that don't know what it's like to be on the inside and won't believe us that here we are in the flesh, right here. You're talking to us right here. And as you say that, I I read an article recently and it was Tracy Ellis Ross from Blackish. And what she said resonated with me so much. And even as you were just saying that right now, I thought the same thing. She said, um, as brown and black people or minorities, people of color, we waste so much energy explaining to these suits, whatever you want to call them for lack of a better term, why telling our story in its authentic way is valuable. And we expend so much energy doing that. By the time it comes to actually make our creative art, we're tapped out. 
Right. Oh, God. And I just, I thought. Not you. I, well, Not you, babe. <laughs> well, that's what, you know, I was like, so, so now how great that we can just make it, right? That we can, you didn't, we can have a podcast. We can produce comedy specials. We can just tell those stories. Yeah, you did not fall into that trap. And what I love is that, yes, of course, here you were supporting the Steve Trevino name and art. Absolutely. But, you know, if you look up Renee Trevino on Instagram, you have a beautiful, really engaged following all around, you know, they call you Captain Evil, but all around your own interests, your decor, as we've like touched on multiple times, your beautiful aesthetic, your children, you being the one who, I mean, you provide so much fun for your family. Every time you're on tour, you're like hitting up the water park or the library or, you know, we're following you on these Trying awesome to show people the cool adventures. places to go and see. It's really cool. But you know what? I had, you really... I had no idea. I mean, who, who knew when Steve made a joke about me being Captain Evil and you say, did it bother me? I had no idea what a gift it would turn out to be um, for, for me, for my family, for, you know, for us to be able to work together. Tell me more. What what are some of the gifts? The fact that around- the fact that he and I get to sit at a table every week and get paid to do a podcast. You know, I we we call it our couples therapy. Like it is our weekly check in. We go and we sit at our podcast table and we do that. Um, the fact that yeah. I and I I never knew that going on the road as a family and meeting people after the shows and hearing their stories or getting to hear from people in person who watch the podcast um, and how it brings them joy and it makes them laugh is just such a cool, rewarding feeling that I never imagined would have been part of my future. I love watching the audience meet you after the show and like, thank you. And like, sometimes they like well up with tears. They just want to hug you. It's, it's a special really... moment. It is really special. That. It is it is really special. And you are still acting and and um I mean I I know we talked a little bit about how badly I want to see your show, just you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um I cuz I think I just think you're you're so captivating. And now that you're, you know, you have two little kids. Can you tell us about them? I've got Delilah. They, they got a little bit older now. Yeah, I've got Delilah, who's two, and she is hard, hard, hard. She is a strong-willed little lady, and I know it's going to serve her very well in her future. It's just hard to parent. Uh, yeah. And I have Garrett, my seven-year-old, who, thank goodness, there's like that gap. Because traveling with two is is hard. Traveling with two is way harder than traveling with one. But thank goodness Garrett is like an old pro and he knows, got to take my shoes off, got to put my tablet in the bin. Like he knows the whole deal going through security and helps out. So how often are you on the road with them? Um, you know what? I would say we were traveling probably two weeks out of the month. Um, wow. Now with the kickoff of this tour, the America's Favorite Husband tour, he is in a different city almost every night. He's still doing a couple of comedy clubs sprinkled in here and there throughout the year. But um, when he's in a different city every night, you're traveling more than you're actually in one place. So that's tough with the kids. Right. So we're taking advantage of the time when he is in a comedy club and is in the same place for several days. I mean, it's really amazing that you figured out how to work it out with school, right? I mean, in the beginning, did you sort of just make the decision like, Garrett doesn't need to be 
you know, baby Garrett, yeah. one kid doesn't need to be at daycare, you know, two weeks out of the year. He could be with us. And then when we're home, we knew, you know, we knew be for sure that there was a ton of value in taking him on the road with us. I, I remember we were in La Jolla and we um, were staying in a hotel that had a picture of sea lions um, in front of the elevator. When you get in and off of the elevator, we would see this picture of sea lions. Well, while we were there on that trip, we actually went and saw there's a cove where they all hang out and all their stinky, smelly glory. And um, <laughs> we took him to see them and he got really, really close to them. And then when we got back to the hotel and went up in the elevator to our room, he noticed the picture and said, sea lions. And he was always really smart. It didn't, but it really hadn't smart. clicked before then until he actually saw wow. them. And we were like, you know what? This is this is important. You know, where where Steve and I grew up, yeah. there are some kids who'd never even been in an elevator or on an escalator as little kids, you know? Yeah. So or or on a plane, things like that. So we knew there was a lot of value in it in the beginning. And even though it's hard with and with Delilah. We've also, you know, said we're not going to do it all the time because it is intense, but it's important and it has value. And even though we're not sleeping well and we're exhausted, we're going to do it anyway. Um, it's really amazing to hear that where you came from. I mean, I know that that Steve grew up a little more a little poorer than his. Than, his than he you said he was like raised by the community. Um, he was like, yeah. around. my parents had a little more rules than his did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And he really didn't have a lot of money growing up at all. No. I'm no. I mean, he bought. You know, my parents bought my first car for me. He had to work and buy his own. Um, he definitely had more of a blue collar upbringing than I did. And you, you get that, you, you hear and you feel that when you hear his stand up. Yeah. And it's really, and we root for him. We are so happy for him to see him in these like huge theaters and to know that his son is getting what he didn't get. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's really, really cool. Um, what do you mean by Delilah's a pill? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that she's tough. Because honestly, Paz just turned three and a half and she was like the easiest peasiest. I never had, like, you know, Ness wasn't an easy, ba- like, I didn't have easy kids. Yeah. I didn't, th- I just didn't think that that was my lot in life. But Paz was pretty easy. And then all of a sudden she turned a corner and she was like, I am wearing heels to school. You know, like, I'm like, it's snowing outside. Like, when lo and behold, we're like walking down the street and she's wearing her princess heels. Like there's just no way around it. No, I, you know what? I, I can it? like, I can give no parenting advice on this one because I am in it, in the middle of it, through the trenches. I remember when Steve used to like give parenting advice because people would be like, oh, Garrett's such a good kid. Like, what do you do? And I would always be standing there like, zip it. Listen, I think we just got a good egg. Like, I don't think it always works Yeah, you out told me way. that. <laughs> you told me, well, you know, you, um, uh, Renee, um, handed off a babysitting job that you did for years here in New York. You handed it off to me, uh-huh. little Nina. I think about her sometimes. You were a nanny for a really long time. You knew kids. And I remember being like, what do I do with Ness? And you're like, honestly, I think I have a need. I, I, on I really love that about you because you could have totally like been like, oh, well, I've been doing it this way. And blah, 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 blah. But like, you were always honest and you're like, I think he's just an easy guy. And he yeah. still is. Yeah. 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 Wow. He still is. But Delilah was, we put her in swim survival 
because we have a swimming pool. And so I was like, we're just doing this. And most swim survival is you typically you start them very young. They get in the pool for 10 minutes every day and they work with them to teach them how to float on their back. Like it's really basic if they fall in the pool survival skills. And most kids scream their heads off. It's totally typical. Um, but they're yeah, they're over they're it after three weeks. You're going every day. And each session wow. is six weeks. So by the six-week session, when they graduate, you know, six or seven weeks, the kids are not screaming anymore. Delilah took three six-week sessions before she stopped screaming the entire 10 minutes. Every day. It was like, it was emotional torture to show up to the swimming pool every day and just hear her scream bloody murder for 10 minutes. And I really questioned, like, as a mom, I was like, you know what? Maybe swim survival is just not the right approach for my child. Like, I I don't know. But because I had a pool, I was so scared. You had a choice. Yeah, I was scared of the other alternative. I was like, I got to stick this out. That The swim teacher that she had is a woman who shows very little emotion. I mean, she is a tough cookie. And when Delilah finally stopped screaming in the third six-week session, her assistant was like, oh my goodness, coach, is that a tear I see in your eye? Like, even her assistant was shocked. She cried because Delilah had finally stopped screaming. That's that's Delilah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she keeps you up all night. I, I'm, Paz also keeps me up all night. What can you do? You can't, I mean, I think it is going to serve them. I think the next generation is just primed for better. I think they're not going to, they're not going to shut up until they get their way. And I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm literally here for it. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot. But how do you, I mean, you guys have grown exponentially as a family and also as a business together with your podcast, even even through COVID. How do you handle, how do you juggle, you know, they say, how do you juggle it yeah. all? Um, I'm sure you don't do it all because no one no. does. But I, But how do you juggle what's on your plate? Because you really have grown so much. I mean, I think, I think you have to prioritize. And I think you have to be forgiving and know that balls are going to drop. And I, um, I, that was one thing I learned from Garrett when I'm pregnant and when I've got like newborn stage, I'm going to be really, really forgiving and just super apologetic out the gate. Like, sorry guys, I screwed that one up. Sorry guys. Mm -hmm. I forgot that one. Please forgive me. Um, because it's, it's bound to happen. And with me, I know it, I knew it was going to happen a lot. Um, but also I, I prioritize and that's one of the gifts of, that's why I say like being able to work with my husband and us do this as a family is such a gift is that we both know the kids, the family comes first and essentially, you know, essentially he's my boss, right? And, um, I have a very forgiving and understanding boss and they're okay when I need to take a sick day for the kids. Um, yeah. and that's, that's such a gift that I'm, I'm so, so lucky and, and grateful to have. Yeah. The way you guys work together is really beautiful. It's so beautiful. I mean, I, I know that it's like you work through the night or whatever you like, you know, you, you're always on. Yeah. Isn't that right? Like, yeah. I, um, I realized on. that I was um, emailing my assistant really late or our assistant really late, Steve and I, and she was actually responding and then I felt terrible. So I, I had to start Google um, schedule sending her emails so oh. that she doesn't get them till the next morning. And I was like, that way people don't necessarily know I'm working at four in the morning. 
How do you do that? You can. That's so smart. Yes, you type it all up when it's in your brain so you don't forget about it. You can even do it with text messages now, which I just recently found out. And that's huge because I'll read a text message super late and then I'll fall asleep putting the kids to bed and miss messages and then wake up at like, you know, 1130 in their bed. Yeah, totally. And you can respond to them and just schedule send them later. Schedule send them. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I like schedule. I, you know, because even in the morning we wake up at like eh, five o'clock or let's say, let's say a little bit later, but like, you know, most days I'm up at like 545. And if I have to like tell the babysitter something, like if I don't get it out of my head, there's just never. Yeah. Yeah. But then I don't want to be rude. And I also, you know, I want to keep her. I've told you this a million times that like, it's hard to find someone you trust, you like, you want to be around You know what I mean? So I want, you know, and she's a person. So like, there are a lot of reasons why you would want to (laughs) schedule this for later. I'll show you. I'll talk you through it. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right. Any other very practical tips around, well, you do have an assistant. You would need to, you would need to, right? Yeah. We, you know what? It it got to the point where um, I had things that Steve's, Steve's career has been what puts the food on our table. And so after our family, that has always been the priority, um, between the two of us is juggling that and helping him manage everything that he had going on with the podcast. I've really, and now that Delilah's getting a little older, I really wanted to start taking on other ventures and doing more. And so as a team, we figured we really need an assistant who can handle, who can cover his day to day. Um, and take that off my plate so that I can focus on other things that amazing. I want to do too. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, fun fact about Steve is, is he dyslexic? Is is that? He, he is. You um, know what was so funny? We had, um, we had so our neighbors over the other night for family game night and they were asking what year you, people were born and Steve gave the wrong year. And I said, that is not, I said, that's not your birthday. That's not when you were born. And he was like, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. I fill out all the paperwork. I have to know the year you were born. Right. He legit had to pull out his ID and see what was on there because he thought he was right. Oh, my God. You know, it's really amazing is that, like, he figured—I mean, that that he writes all of his comedy in his head and that all the—you know, that that he found—I mean, the found the fact that he fucking found you. I mean, it's really amazing you, that you wrote all those emails for him all that time. Yeah. I'm sure his social media is off. You know, he's doing something. Well, you can you know, tell you're not doing it's that very anymore, rare but... he will type it. He usually like talk texts it. So you can you can tell yeah. if there's like typos or something. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, thank goodness for talking. I just find... and I also think like, you know, when it comes to like neurodiversity, dyslexia, learning disabilities, ADD, all that stuff, yeah. like people have tremendous skills in other areas. And for whatever reason, I guess what we're really talking about is delegation here. He's delegated that to you. And at some point you delegated it to someone else because we can only do what we're really meant to do on this earth. And writing is just not like literal writing down Uh is not what he's meant to be doing. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's, I love that. But when you broke it down, it is, I guess it is delegation. I didn't think about that, but it's not you're not wasting time doing something you're not good at. Right. 
So you you found a way to de- like after so he delegates to you and now you've been able to delegate to others because otherwise there's just no way to do that those amazing decorations that you do for Halloween let's say and you know Valentine's Day is coming up I'm sure you're going to do a gorgeous the mantle's you know, decorated a, yeah y'all the Honestly, yeah, and then you the share them online. So by the time thank by the time you yeah, love Halloween, by the time Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine rolls around, I'm over it. <laughs> oh, oh, are you over it? Okay, great. Just checking. Yeah. But you you do do a lot of work in the home. You do a lot of work with your children. You do a lot of work, um, you know, in social media. You have a, like a really robust social life. The only way for you to actually get any of that in. You you work out. Yeah. You've always been so good at working out, Renee. I'm, 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 just, I'm like, addicted just to the power. endorphins, I think. That's what it is. Ugh. The endorphins are addicted to you. <laughs> They're so good. Um, but the only way to do that is to delegate. For sure. Only, sure. You, and and to know. appropriately delegate. So so schedule those those um, text messages at an appropriate time because otherwise you can't delegate to that person anymore because they'll quit. <laughs> I do have, we have someone who, who helps with the kids and, um, we had someone doing some home repairs here and he just keeps coming back. Like we have more things that need to be done. And so he just keeps coming back. And uh, Rebecca that helps me with the kids, she said, you know what? The Trevino's, that's what it's like at this house. You just come and then you don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) That means you're good to the people who work for you. You come and you don't leave. I told her, I said, you are not trapped here. You're welcome to leave at any time. You really are so good at, um, like, making family into, f- I mean, friends into family. I'm sure that's the case for the people who, like, you know, c- come to work for you also. It's like, you really have a way with people where, like, first of all, there's a lot of laughing. Yes. There, a lot there of laughing. is a lot of laughing. More when Steve's in the house than when he's, uh, when he's not. But yes, there's a lot of laughing. We have, we keep a sense of humor in this home. You, like, really prioritize having fun. Yeah. Which is just a good vibe. But also, just a like, good overall. I mean, think about it. It's like I get it why Judd Apatow, uh, Judd Apatow puts his wife in his films, and I get it why he works mm. with the same actors over and over again. Like they're his friends. Wouldn't you want to work with right. the people that you like too, over and over again? I mean, you cast me in a cute. Um, like sketch once and it was just like a joy. It was so easy to do. It's easy. Yeah. That's the thing. Especially when you have a big life, it's easier to work with people you have shorthand with. Sometimes it's nice. It, I mean, you know, I, I sit here and I talk to people that I've never met before and it really is, it's beautiful. Yeah. But there's nothing like, I mean, I'm just chilling with my friend and the recording has to be, like happens to be on and, you know, like, there's nothing better than yeah. that. There's nothing better than just like, you know, you guys having your your marriage meeting <laughs> on air. Yeah. You're like, that's a really efficient use of time. <laughs> that was good. We I need. I actually need to know what we're doing on Monday morning. You know, let's talk about it once once the cameras are rolling. That's smart. Yeah, I mean, I just and and I think it comes from like like you said, I was a. I was a nanny forever through college. And when I was really trying to do the acting thing in LA, um, I was working for families in the entertainment industry. And, um, and so I think I, I bring that to it too. Like I know I, I had an understanding of what it was like to work very personally in someone's home. Um, and I learned, I learned a lot of things on both sides. 
Actually, if you can tell us what, because I, I would love to know. I have this one babysitter who's with us who I love so much. Yeah. And any, like, tips on on making her life better so that—well, you got to pay them well. Yes. I think the big things to remember are that for me, it's like they're taking care of my family, so I want to take care of them. It's like a, a mutual respect. And um, yes, you do want to pay them well, but there are also other ways that you can really show that you care that aren't necessarily monetary. Um, it's her family or she has a family member that's in a city that we're in and wants to come see a show. Well, we can invite them to the show and give them VIP tickets and seat them backstage and make them feel really special. Um, you know, it's things like, it's things like that. Yeah. It's so great. I remember, um, we once did an Instagram live and I like, I was like, I, I, who is this be- behind the scenes backstage uh-huh. Betty? Is, is that what you used to yes. call her? It's like everyone has a nickname. We have Steve, of course, but then we have Captain Evil and then backstage uh-huh. Betty. And the fact that you gave her props, I mean, people don't. And the fact that you're so willing to be open about like the way you delegate, how you care for the people who are caring for your family. People don't talk about that enough. I, and I know it's like so obvious to you because you're just like, the best. But like, for whatever reason, you know, there's this idea that we need to do it all or that we need to at least look like we're doing it all. And so many of the mommy bloggers, influencers, whatever's want you to believe that they're with their kids all the time and that their house looks that way and that the decorations and the gifts and the body and the relationship and the friendships. What? How's that possible? The career? And the fact that you're that you break it down for us in that way, and it started with I think I think it also the the culture of how Steve was like I could do brilliant things I cannot write yeah that that admission probably was a really beautiful thing in your family to say like oh everyone has their strengths yeah and cool. and again it goes back to Steve just saying you know what I'm going to be genuine like I'm going to be genuine and honest in my comedy. And that carried over to the podcast, which for me, it was very uncomfortable at first. I was, I was not used to that. I was, um, I'd been in front of the camera, but as an actor, not just as myself. And so there was definitely a a learning curve there of, um, no, we're just, we're going to do it and we're going to be us and we're going to tell stories and we're going to say things that sometimes people might not like to hear. Um, and just, I had to learn to take the mentality of the way his jokes don't bother me. I really had to apply that to the comment section and some of the feedback you get sometimes. And the feedback you get from real people after a show is, like I said, so much heart, so heartwarming and touching that that outweighs it all. Yeah. And I witnessed it. They really appreciate you. They really appreciate your genuineness. You know, they, I'm, and, and so do I. I mean, it really is funny. Sometimes I'll just like send Dan. Um, there was this one clip where he was poking fun at you for not being able to find your phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? And um, I sent it to Dan. And it's like such a way, it's it's interesting because the way social media works, I know that their comment, people's comments, they can be assholes sometimes. And I'm so glad you got, you have a thick skin. This is like, this is the work of our time to be, when we're leaders and when we're artists, we just have to have thick skins. That's just part of it. But it's like, 
the way he connects with the audience means that I get to connect with Dan. The fact that you sort of are, you know, open to being um, (laughs) laughed at essentially means that like I get to be like, oh yeah, I guess it, I do. It provides like it provides <laughs> yeah. a sense of freedom, right? And almost like it's okay yeah. to be by him putting up there on the stage like that. Again, it's another gift for me that's like, well, everybody knows I'm not perfect. So it's okay for me to own it and not be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're perfect to me. So okay. there's that. And <laughs> and I love you. I love you so I much. I love you. Thank you for this. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your grit. I mean, you really are so inspiring to me. I hope our um, our internet was strong enough that this works, that we're able to make this happen. If not, we'll have to re-record it. Well, fuck yeah. (laughs) I think it was. Um, Your your, um, camera turned off, but uh, I heard you the whole time. So we'll... We'll stop soon and then um, let it upload. My only question before we head out is, I'm sure the audience has fallen in love with you um, the same way I have um, and would like to know where to find you. Uh, where do they find you? I love you? to share on Instagram. Instagram is my jam. And I am I am Renee with an A on Instagram. But you can also watch um, Steve Trevino and Captain Evil, the podcast. It is on Steve Trevino's Facebook page. It's on YouTube. You can listen to it anywhere um, podcasts are heard. And if you want to listen to it ad-free, go to Picked Cherries. Picked yeah. Cherries. Fantastic. And we'll, um, you'll keep us posted on, on other endeavors you will surely undertake now that Miss Delilah is two and swimming. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love you. I know I say this all the time, but I'm coming to Texas. I might just show up at your door one day with uh, with the kids. And you are just... welcome anytime. We have plenty of room to roam. Yay! Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host, and I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Ravani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast. I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.